My dear listeners, I hope today is going amazing for you. Join me on my podcast as I share stories of people just like you who made bold decisions in their lives and in turn, they live their dreams. As they say, it's up to you to make it happen. This show is sponsored by BioMental, all natural nutritional supplements for your daily needs. Always stay healthy, strong and focused, and the rest will follow. To learn more, go to biomental.org. Hello everyone, today we're meeting Paul Zolman. He is the author of the book, Role of Love. Hello Paul, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Anna. So glad to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start a conversation by diving into your journey of becoming the person you are today. What led you to discover your true passion in life? How did it start for you? Well, it started from the way it doesn't start for most people. Most people learn what's good about life and what they what are the good things to do in life. I didn't start out that way. I learned what was bad and then I had to find what that what was good. But I want to back up just a little bit, Anna, to tell part of the story. And I think it's very important for your listeners to understand this part of the story. Um, I had a grandfather that um, lived in the late 1800s and he lived in Indiana, the United States, and had nine children. After that ninth child, his wife passed away and he was so distraught that he decided he was going to sell the farm, sell all the equipment, everything. He'd had a little auction. When people came to that auction, he said, would you also like this child? Would you also like this child? Would you like this child? He gave all the children away except for one. He gave the children away. Horrible Mm -hmm. thing. And then he took the one, he took Benjamin with him, moved to Montana, married again, had 10 more children, of which my father was number six of that second 10 children. So he's got 19 children, a lot of, a lot of children. Right. So when my, this was, my father was born in 1922. So when my father was 10 years old, this grandfather passed away. And Mm -hmm. so here you have the abandonment of, of 19 children. Of course, death is not really something he chose possibly. It didn't, didn't happen. I mean, he didn't choose that, but uh, still there were 19 children. 1932 here in America was the height of the depression. Just everything, the economic stress, all that stress, and then the abandonment, and then other, you know, financial stress, all that on top of everything. And then it just caused a, a just a, a stressful situation. And I, I'm sure that there were really hard, it was very difficult times. My father grew up in, in those difficult times and, and at age 10, Uh, He didn't last very long. He went for a few more years to school and he graduated from eighth grade. So he became a truck driver and he'd just be gone through the week and and then home on the weekends. Uh, He moved our family from that town in Montana where he was born, where I was born, moved to central Montana in Great Falls, Montana, and in Great Falls where we grew up. But it was was still not a very good existence. One 
one thing that I do respect my father for is that he, every Friday night, would date my mother, take her out on a date. But it was always the same place, always the Maverick bar, always alcohol involved. And so it, during that time, that's when my mother would disclose to him how, how her week was. If it was a good week and the kids were good, everything would be fine. But if the kids were bad, even a little bit bad, we'd get the belt or we'd get spankings in the morning, uh, a Saturday morning, and just was not a good thing to look. Everybody, normal people look forward to the weekend. As mm -hmm. a kid, I just, I could not look forward to the weekend. There was one time, Anna, that I was, um, I remember being spanked so hard. I must have done something terrible. I don't remember what it, even what it was, but I was remember being spanked so hard that I was black and blue for about three weeks. Just, it was just a, a horrible situation. So that type of abuse is where I came from. So the, the easiest way to get out of that is to to move away. So at age 17, right after my junior year of high school, I moved out. And I'm I'm number 10 of 11 children. I, I'm the youngest. They're just tired of having kids. I can tell they're tired. You know, parents get parents get tired. But I was until they were getting tired. And so I moved out, moved in with my brother. My brother was a great role model and, and just a, a good father. But I still had residual anger from the way I was raised. It's just kind of anger that was stuffed away. That I, I was almost as if I had no say in the way I was raised or things that were going on. I was just, and, and I thought I was a mild child. I thought I was just the kind. And I'm the only boy of the family that was born between two girls. So I had a, a younger sister and an older sister, and I'm I'm the baloney between that white bread sandwich. And, and it was just, that was the circumstances. I played with the girls. I really kind of had a, a more nicer disposition than than my older brothers one time i was laying um i was just outside with my brother he they, they had motorcycles and i did not but uh he had he asked me to lay down on the boulevard the grassy area between the curb and and the sidewalk of the street and and he'd ride his bike over it i as dumb as i was i said okay and he ran his motorcycle right across my chest and i it didn't hurt me or anything. It just, I heard a few snaps like you, when your back cracks or something, but just stuff like that. It was just, it was what I call it, Anna, was a kind of a set or a culture of anger, a culture of abuse that I learned as I was younger. I knew that wasn't love. Although it was consistent, the spankings seemed like they were consistent, the, the yelling, just all the things that the vocabulary the humor, everything in that cultural set was was present. It was absolutely present. I like to compare it to, you know, a while back I was out walking and I found found this walking stick, has no no bark on it or anything. And this this side of the stick, it's just really nice and smooth, perfect for your hand and everything. And then you go to the other side of the stick, it has some some really sharp points on it, and it's just like where sticks might have been. So I call this the naughty side of the stick. So it's my naughty and nice stick. And, and that's kind of how I le learned spectrum. Learned that in, in a spectrum, 
there's a nice side of the spectrum and then there's a naughty side of the spectrum. I realized that anger was on that naughty side of the spectrum. So I kept blaming my father. Yeah, as I'm growing up, I kept blaming my father that for all failed relationships, for anything emotional or social that went wrong in my life up until about age 35. Then at age 35, I realized, huh, I think I'm responsible for my own stuff. I'm responsible for my own happiness. I'm responsible for my own decisions. And at age 35, my father had been, he'd passed away seven years earlier. He could not defend himself. He wasn't there. And he just, there's, you know, why was I blaming him? Why did I keep blaming him? And I found out, realized that if if you blame someone for your own problems, you don't have to change. It's their mm -hmm. fault. You mm -hmm. don't have to change. It's absolutely their fault. And in in that mindset, you can you can keep doing whatever you're doing, wrong or right. Just keep doing whatever you're doing as long as you get somebody to blame. And I realized that I don't I can't blame him anymore. I cannot blame him anymore. So go forward a, a few more years and one one time we were um sitting reading reading from the bible and my three-year-old was sitting on on his mother's lap my wife's lap and and you know he's just a little rambunctious Re we're reading the scriptures mind you reading the good word and he his hands are flailing like this and he flips off my wife wife's glasses and i i it annoyed me so much, I slapped him. I felt so bad about slapping him that on my way to work, I called myself, uh, I called and, and reported myself to the Department of Health and Human Services for child safety, and and they, there was nobody there. There was an answering machine, so I left a message that I'd slapped my son. Well, they, they were, you can imagine, they're right on it. They went to the house, they got in the house, they examined my my son, interviewed all, all the kids that were at school and everything, and all of a sudden, I can't go home. I'm barred from my own house, and I'm uh, charged with child abuse. And from, from that, you know, instead of instead of saying not guilty and dragging every everyone through the court system, I just pledged guilty that, yeah, I slapped him. And mm -hmm. if, if they're deeming that child abuse, uh, I did it. So... So I was sentenced to 18 months probation, and and from that uh, also uh, anger management. They had this anger management class that was just people that were pe people that did not volunteer as I did voluntarily turn themselves in. They did not volunteer themselves in, but they were caught doing some some abuse. So one of one of the guys that was in that anger management class, I remember him telling the story that he had his his wife by by her neck, and held her up so her feet were off the ground up against the wall until she fainted. Those were the type of guys they put me with for this anger management. I just kind of had to kind of put blinders on for a minute and then learn about well what was abuse because they're talking they have this wheel of abuse and they're talking all about abuse. And there and and all the there were several things on that wheel of abuse. I felt so ashamed that I'd been taught that type of abuse. Maybe five or six different different um, types of abuse that I've been taught 
and I didn't even know it was abuse. So it's a wake up, it's a realization, oh. And, and when I thought of the spectrum, when I realized where I was there, there on the spectrum, I thought, well, how do I get out of here? What do I do to get out of this situation? And so I thought, well, maybe if I find or found out what's the opposite of that of that type of of uh, behavior, just for example, what would be the opposite of sarcasm? And you might say authenticity or being genuine. I thought, well, a lot of people practice sarcasm just for being funny. And so are they being are they ingenuous when they're doing that? And it's and I thought, well, I think it's better to be genuine. So I started moving, started just thinking the thought process and moving my thoughts to the other side of the spectrum, back to the naughty and nice stick. Sarcasm would be on the naughty side. Authenticity and being genuine would be on the nice side. So that's that's kind of where it was. And then then a little after that, you know, because of that type of situation, because the anger that was piling up, what would happen? And I was I'd have an be annoyed at one of the children or or my wife or something at work or something, one annoyance, and then there'd be another annoyance, and then be another annoyance, another annoyance, and then a flash, an anger flash. And I just piling those annoyances up because I'd be annoyed at someone, someone doing something wrong or someone doing something that I didn't like or something like that. And it was a focus on that annoyance more than anything that led down the, the path to being angry. So I, so I uh, was trying to get rid of it and doing all that I could. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't save the marriage. So after 23 and a half years, my wife and I, actually divorced. And uh, so in this single state, I'm just kind of wandering around. I spent a, about a year and a half doing what I call destination dating. And destination dating was just, just find, you're finding someone online, find out where they live, find out where you live, create a destination or pick a destination, have a date. And so that's what I did. And I did it for about a year and a half, had a great time. I was living in Charleston, South Carolina at the time. I went down to Daytona Beach, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Nashville, Kansas City. Actually, went to New York City, uh, uh, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, uh, Cabo San Lucas. Just had a great time going on destination dating, but I couldn't find love. It was too far. I mean, the distance was too far. I had just had a fun time, and so it was after that time. I um, had moved to, over to Phoenix, Arizona, thinking one of those destination dates was going to materialize into something, and it didn't. But I was living there, and uh, my sister, my older sister, thought I was lonely. So she invited me to meet her neighbor. That, that is seven hours away, and I'm, I am I was just done with destination dating. I said, eh, I don't want to. And then she said, oh, come on. And you have to do what big sister says. So... Okay. So I started contacting this neighbor, started to develop a relationship, actually turned out quite sweet. And so I moved up, um, moved to Southern Utah where my, my sister was living and started dating and, and came to the point that, all right, now it's time for big brother approval. Mm -hmm. So I was taking this neighbor up to my brother about 300 miles north 
up to my brother. And first thing that happened when I went in the, the house is my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first I denied it. Uh-uh. Then it made me mad. Wow. And I thought, huh, she nailed it. She's absolutely right. If I, I still have had that madness, still had that anger inside me. So I thought this is a perfect time, a perfect time to make a choice, perfect time to to erase, if, if, if it was possible, erase that stigma that the Zolman family had. So I started reading the color code and I started reading the five love languages and I like the principles of the five love languages. Mm -hmm. So the, the five love languages, I read the book four or five times, but after I read the book, I, could, I, I didn't get it. I liked the principles, but I didn't get the application. You mean, Anna, I'm supposed to guess what your love language is and then cater to that? Uh, and they're calling that love? I said, I grew up in an abusive home. I know that's not love, but that didn't sound like love either to cater to that. It sounded more like a manipulation or a more of a, a duty-bound thing. Um, uh, uh, and it didn't sound like love. So then Dr. Chapman has this other way to, to find out what your love language is. And you take this survey. And you find out what your love language is. And then what do you do with that? What mm -hmm. do you do? Advertise? Hello, <laughs> Anna. I'm Gifts. What would you, what do you have for me today? It's just a little awkward, really awkward. Or hello, Anna. I'm touch. Let's let's have a, a session. Or I mean, just just really weird. Just I didn't know how to how to handle that, how to send that out without creating a pity party. So the pity party would be. Well, I told you how to love me. How come you're not doing it? And it's just, you know, just that just didn't work for me. So what I decided to do was talk to contact Dr. Chapman. And when I contacted Dr. Chapman, I asked him if they were licensing those little icons, the pictures of the different love languages, the representations that they had of the different love languages. And the attorney wrote back and said, no, they're not licensing that at all. So, so I talked to a, a, a local attorney here and they said that theory is not copyrightable, but application is. So when I was a kid, I liked playing games and it was just kind of a happy family time that I remember. I thought, well, what if I made it a game? And I, so I created my own icons and actually made it a game. I put it on a dice. Oh, so here okay. you, you see service there. <laughs> uh -huh. There are the words. Right. Time. There's touch and the gifts. So, so all five love languages in a dice. So five love languages, six sides on the dice. This one surprised me. Oh, surprised. All right. So, so there's <laughs> just two instructions. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice giving away all day that day. So in this whole process, Anna, what I found is about love is that the only thing we have control over is giving it away. That's all we have. And reacting when it comes our way. So most people will react if it's their own primary love language, but they don't see anything else as love. This changes that. Because as you're rolling the die, you're going to roll all five love languages over a 30-day period to give it away. When you do that, 
you're going to become what I like to call a love language linguist. Mm -hmm. Sexy title. I know you want it. Put it on your resume. Everybody wants that title. But what it means is that you know all five love languages backwards and forwards so that you can see it when it comes your way. Even though it might not be your primary love language, you can see, oh, they're loving on me and you can respond appropriately to that. Wow. Yeah, that's very interesting application of it. And like you said, we can practice all different types of languages ourselves. And first of all, seeing how we can give it away. And the more we practice, the more, the more we recognize it when it comes our way. So in this way, we are able to receive it or, you know, spot it. And now we know what that means. So even like start from being a small kid, we can play that game and teach kids how to uh, really like navigate through life and how to be able to give and receive different type of love that is out there because like you mentioned in your childhood everything was um you know kind of like based on abuse and you would say physical touch but in a in the wrong way where you kind of um connected that with the love that was given mm -hmm. to you which was not actually what it was but as a child you know you just took it as if it was the truth but later on you uh, became aware recognized that this is not how it's supposed to be because uh, it gives me that feeling of being angry and that feeling is unpleasant i i think every time we experience those unpleasant feelings or emotions it's like indication for us that we are you know away from what is love because love would never give you that feeling you would be at peace you would be joyful right so it means it's not love something is wrong and you have to figure out what that is on your own to see where is the disconnect mm -hmm. yeah, love, you... love absolutely brings that calmness and it's just a, it's a it's a calming it's almost a relaxing that when you're in the arms of someone or your whole or you just feel safe so yeah. it's, it's a safe feeling abuse is not safe it's not a safe feeling or being in an abusive situation is not safe. I'm glad you brought up uh, about children too and about how young children can learn this. You know, I tested this with a, a family of five children and the <clears throat> the youngest was four years old. And one day the, the, the youngest rolls physical touch mm. and four-year-old jumps up and down, pumps his fist, say, yes, physical touch, physical touch. And immediately starts beating up on his brothers. And so I mean, the mother was just trying to suppress the laughter because that's not what's supposed to happen. But but apparently the brothers had been beaten up on this little four-year-old and they, he thought that was love. So it was a perfect opportunity for this mother to teach appropriate physical touch. So this is really an opportunity, a teaching opportunity for young children. You, you'll notice that there's no words on the die. Yeah. It's, it's all pictures. And, and young children, even if they can't read, can understand pictures. And just tell them what the picture means, and then they can respond, and they'll think of stuff they can do on their own. So one thing it does, does for children too, Anna, is that it develops a sense of responsibility. 
that if you're rolling that in the morning and you're watching for opportunities all day long to love, and then you report at night, I developed a, a journal, got mm -hmm. a, a journal, a roll of love journal. You can keep track of keep track of what you rolled that day, yeah. what opportunities you saw to love in that way that day, and then what you did about those opportunities. Okay. So it's a, it's a great reporting system. It could go in the grade schools too. I mean, I, I think it worked ages one through five or one through six because mostly they stay in the same classroom. So at the start of the day, they roll the die. End of the day, the last 10 to 15 minutes of the day is usually non-productive time. They're antsy. They've been there all day and, and they're just really not, produ not productive. Uh, they're tired of learning. They're tired of this. Take that time and have them write just a little journal entry. How did I love today? What they rolled, how they loved that day, what opportunities they saw to love in that way. And then just keep that. Who wouldn't love to have a journal from first grade? You or me or any anyone listening would love to have a journal from first grade or from second grade or from third grade. Any grade that you would have a journal. And then it's in addition to that, it's not just what you were learning that day, but it's how did you love? It's it's more your feelings. What did what was it that changed you? What did what was it that developed a passion inside you? And it's just tracking that in those younger years could be very powerful teaching them responsibility accountability for their own actions right so let's just remind people what those five languages are i know there is one is physical touch another one is spending time quality time with your partner right, right. uh and we have uh also the words that you say those are the words. Yeah. The words and uh, the gifts that you give away to a person. And what was the fifth one? The service. Service, right. So service that we give to others. And those are four, uh, five languages, uh, forms of love that you can give away. And again, like with us practicing it and especially taking responsibility for what love we can give and because i believe what we give that's what we receive in the in uh you know in the consequence of our actions and i think with us taking responsibility we already kind of like started the process of you know us receiving that in a way from maybe different people from different circumstances events but it will come back to us in a certain way and by doing that can you know every single day practicing and doing that we are responsible for creating that life full of love in different ways don't absolutely. you absolutely and, and i like how you said that that what we send out is going to come back to us Love, and, that, and that's the kind of thing that we have to do with love. We send it out without any expectation of it coming back because if we have expectation, then it becomes more transactional. Mm -hmm. And love's not a transaction. Love is freely sent out, but it's like putting money in a piggy bank. Eventually, that you'll be able to have that rainy day and be able to draw out of that piggy bank. Someone's going to love back on you. But one one thing that Dr. Chapman says that, most people send out their what they like in hopes that 
it'll come back. What they like is going to come back to them. It's not really like that at all with this. It's not this at all. This is just randomly sending it out. And you're watching for those people that light up, Anna. When they light up on the day that you're working, maybe service, and they light up, just take a mental note. That's what they like. That's probably close to what their primary love language is. Just take a mental note that you can wash, rinse, repeat, do it over and over again. And it's, and it's the boomerang effect that you send that boomerang out. It's coming right back to you. Think of the opposite. And as, as I mentioned, the, the naughty nice deck, you think of the opposite that you send anger out, you're going to get an immediate return on your investment. It's coming right back to you right now. Love is, takes a little bit longer. So you just have to trust the process, trust that it, it's going to come back and then just be ready to respond when it does come back. Yeah, and it also gives you this immediate feeling of joy when you're in the process of giving love, even without, like you said, without any expectation, not even receiving anything in the moment, but the act of giving love or, um, you know, this, I don't know, I would say uh, like generosity in a way, the act of doing good in the moment, it just gives you that, feeling of joy so it's in a way uh beneficial for all of us mm -hmm. you know we're not uh expecting anything right this moment but at the same time we know we're doing something good and it's just lights up our day and you know who doesn't want that and i think with the right intention when you start the day with that intention and just doing something small and just one thing that you can uh do today for somebody else and it's just a way of you kind of like charging yourself up for success you know and especially if you receive something down the line which is uh you know usually how it happens and it's like a bonus on top of it so and it shouldn't be the purpose you know yeah and you nailed it that the, the just the very action of lighting somebody up or being the person that makes their day just we should be going around making everybody's day just mm -hmm. everybody that within our circle of influence everybody that we can uplift or make their days just a little brighter make their day a little happier there's a huge reward in doing that and that's that's a payday almost immediately for doing that and like you said it's the what comes back to you after that is is really a bonus it's it's a wonderful bonus but just send it out like that so that you've got those bonuses coming on a regular basis it'll just trust the process it will do it wanted to mention one one other thing too you know, I talked a lot about the anger and a lot about that stacking, stacking those annoyances until mm -hmm. a flash. After, <clears throat> after 30 days of rolling the die, after I created it, this, this is the big, this is the first clunky, big clunky one that I made as a prototype. You know, it was too big and it just it had sharp edges and it wasn't rolling very good. I have to grind off the edges and 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 make it, but it just wasn't working that well. So I decided on the smaller die and mm -hmm. created it that. But after 30 days, only 30 days, Anna, of rolling the die, I had a new disposition. It was a different mindset. Uh, the mindset became, instead of what, what I grew up with, 
instead of what's wrong with that person and go down that critical path of annoyance and then build annoyance on annoyance and then flash. Instead of doing that, it was the new mindset was what's right with that person? What can I love about that person? And always watching for those things that are good about other people, focusing on the good. I'd like to compare it to a magnifying glass mm -hmm. that whatever you magnify is going to get bigger. Who wants to magnify the faults of another? And guess when they guess what that that's a boomerang coming back. Why would you focus on the faults of another person when you have them yourself? And that's coming back. So don't do that. It's just, it's not a good idea. The media thinks it's a great idea. It sells. People mm -hmm. like focusing on the negative that people do. Don't do it. It's tempting, but don't do it. Focus mm -hmm. on the good that people do. That, and that will grow. And that good will grow in that person too. They'll say, oh, I feel good. I like being recognized for the good things that I do. They'll expand that and they'll broaden that themselves. But you focusing on that sometimes identifies it for them where they couldn't identify it for themselves before. They said, oh, really? You think that? And then you, then you start elaborating a little bit why you think that. And then they feel a lot better. You've made their day. Yes, definitely. And I think uh, first we need to connect with who we are and accept ourselves fully because we know we are imperfectly perfect as human beings. Nobody's perfect, right? But as we are, everything that we've been through, you know, we just need to accept it and own it. And once we fully, you know, uh, in that embrace, we can love ourselves. And from that place, we can start also looking for good in people and connecting better with others and really like focusing on what I love about this person. Like you said, it magnifies and it grows where, you know, attention goes, energy goes, everything is growing just naturally. And, and it's just a better way of building a relationship with other people because everything is, you know, uh, I think building relationship is number one, like foundation for being a successful person in personal life, professional life. So with us first understanding ourselves, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others for what they've done, no matter how painful it was in the past, I know it's hard, but we're only doing harm to ourselves. We are blocking ourselves from receiving that love, first of all, from our own self and then giving it away to others. And when we are in that place of peace and we can start looking for good in others, it's just a ripple effect. You know, we are, we don't know how we're affecting other people in such a good way where, you know, we can inspire somebody or change their life. Mm -hmm. Even with a small uh, act of service or love or anything that we choose to do, you know, it could be very important for that person. We don't realize that. But Absolutely. with us doing it automatically, like if it becomes just who we are, the way of living, it's just we can't stop but to grow that new culture of people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned self-actualization and you mentioned the habit thing. This becomes a habit mm -hmm. and the philosophies are a little bit different between 20, 
21 to 28 days is the how many days it takes to develop this new habit. And it really helped me you know, just set aside the old habits, set aside those old traditions that of the fathers that was not true. And it's not really genetic that it was passed down, but it's more the thought process. It's mm -hmm. more the, I was taught this thought process and it helped me realize you know, when I went to my sister-in-law, helped me realize where I was on that spectrum. Was I on the naughty side of the spectrum where the anger was or was I on the loving side? And I realized I was on the naughty side and I had three decisions. I could stay the same. I could go to be more naughty or I could go to be really nice. And I just chose to go the opposite direction, move from that, that angry language, that angry humor, that angry that vocabulary to a loving vocabulary, a loving disposition and, a, and just loving life and loving others more. It's a whole nother language. It's a whole nother culture from the anger culture to that loving culture. And just you, once you find where you're at, that self-actualization we're talking about, you can go wherever you want. That's the only time you really can make goals because you know where you're at. Yes. You know where you're at, then you can say, well, this is where I want to go. And you go that direction. Definitely. First, you need to know where you are and just awareness, simple awareness and understanding, um, you know, okay, I'm at this point right now in my life. This is what I've been through. This is how I'm feeling. But I have that power of choice. If I make that decision, I take full responsibility for what I've created so far. And if it's not of what you desire, then, you know, you can change it for yourself. And it's never too late. You know, you don't have to be in your 20s. You can change it in any point of your life. So only if you wish to, if you're willing to go through that change and being intentional of what are you thinking of, what are you you know, because your thoughts create your emotions and then, you know, the actions that you take in towards uh, building a relationship with others. And that's very, I think it's like a first step. It's a foundation to be aware. And I also think about like disrupting the negative thinking pattern this uh, cycle that we're in. And sometimes we just don't realize how we on autopilot repeating the same uh, type of behavior, which is not serving us. And we don't know what's going on. It's just running our life. It's uh, it's actually cause of the decision that we're making. And uh, we need to first become mindful of uh, what we're thinking and how we're feeling and see from that point on what we want to create in our life and be intentional about. Yeah, and this is the perfect way to be intentional. You're intentionally rolling the dice. You're intentionally choosing to love in that way that day, becoming more proficient every single time you roll that genre of, of love. You're becoming more proficient at watching for opportunities to love in that way. Along the way, you're going to see opportunities to love in other ways, and it's... It, and it's, this doesn't forbid you from choosing to go ahead and love in that way. You can choose to have many genres during a day, a day, but you're specifically watching for the particular one that you that you rolled. Just one one other thing I wanted to say, Anna, is that people like 
making in a little tiny investment and having it grow to a big return on their investment. This is one of those things. How, how long does it take to roll a die? Maybe two seconds? Yeah. Two seconds. If two seconds in the beginning of your day would change your day, would you do it? Mm. And that's, that's the whole concept. Just make that investment. It's a small investment. The returns are going to be fabulous. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I'm so glad that we had that conversation today. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and wisdom. And for those who would like to connect with you and look up the book and the, the game and everything, how they can find it online? They can find it at rolloflove.com. And, it, and it's not roll like the dice because that's outside of you. It's roll like changing yourself within, R-O-L-E of love.com. So rolloflove.com. If they like listening to the podcast and they like listening to to books, mm -hmm. there there is an opportunity too. They can purchase the Audible on off of Amazon, but they probably should not type in the book Roll of Love. They should type in my name because if they type in love, they're gonna get a million hits on love this, love that, love, love everything except mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have to type type in my name. Just type in Paul Zolman, it'll pop right up. You'll go, be able to go right down to the Audible. And it's only a, a little over two hours, very a very short Audible about the whole book. But you're going to want the, want the dice. To get the die, to get the die or the journal, you need to go to my website. Oh, that's great. I'm also going to add in the show notes as well for people to find it. And as we close, what would be the thought for today for our listeners? The thought for, for today is just to, to try practicing love. Try putting love as that substitute for anything else that's going on in your life. For any of those, uh, those moments that might be on the naughty side of the stick, try substituting love. And as you do that, as you get into the habit of substituting love, you won't even worry about those other habits anymore. It's going to be a perfect substitute, a perfect insertion it'll crowd out all those other types of activities that you used to do and replace it with love we need more more people that love more people that will start that love because when you send love out and make someone feel good guess what in their own circle of influence that person is going to also send out love if you send out a uh, anything angry You've also made other people miserable, not the, only the person you sent that anger to, but they're going to make other people miserable too with that anger. Send out love. It's a whole lot better choice. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy your day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow my show and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. To check out Intern Store, go to internpodcast.com. Stay tuned.